Yo, yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the NY Patriot Show. Thank you very much for tuning in again. If this is uh, your first time coming across the show, hit that like and subscribe button, share it or whatever. Uh, if you came across this because you like the topic, I'm sure you will like the other stuff that I cover. Um, today I have with me also my uh, partner in crime and co-host for the NY Patriot Show. I got my uh, good friend, an amazing Canadian, uh, Italian-Canadian. Uh, Teresa, what's going on? Teresa, say hi to everybody. What is up? Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Would you like to let everybody know about that amazing podcast I co-host with you? Yeah, we have another awesome show together called The Spiritual Gangsters, uh, which is very different than this show. So I love this show, obviously. This is where we get real weird and it's fun. But The Spiritual Gangsters is a little more personal. We usually interview really interesting people, get to know them, and they share like wild experiences they've had uh sometimes we cover other topics but yeah it's very different than the show so please check it out but related you know yeah no (laughs) honestly i even have to say when i when we do your show it's like i guess it's like a breath of fresh air for me it's kind of like a break from what i'm doing but it's still it's still great content and you just get to hear people's personal stories i love it i really do and uh we also got the man the myth the legend we got General fucking Lee up in the house. Lee, you want to say what's up to everybody? <laughs> uh, now then, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, mate. Uh, of course. Yo, if I was having Robbie on, you got to come on, my man. You yeah, know? Well, thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. And, and this subject is um, as equally as fascinating as the next. For sure, um, for sure. You want to yeah, let everybody um, know where they can uh, find your stuff real quick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, subconscious Realms. Um, available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. Um, Instagram is at subcon underscore realms33. Uh, Twitter is at subcon realms33. And email subconsciousrealms at gmail.com. Very nice. Thank you very much, General. And uh, today, you. as you can see in the title, uh, we got Robbie Marks on again. He's been on the show. Uh, A few times I have, if you have not checked out or you have not heard of this man before, I highly suggest to go back to my show and check out a four-part series I did with him on Nimrod and the Skinwalker. Um, I still even have another episode. I feel so bad, Robbie. I'm going to admit it to you here live on uh, on YouTube. I recorded that Bohemia and Prussia episode. I made it and then never uploaded it. So, unfortunately, when I came across it, I was like, fuck, unless I'm going to rearrange 12 or 13 shows, I just had to put you at the end. But I have another banger of his coming out, and I think in about another month, and this will probably follow after that about another month for the people who are not watching it live. But I highly suggest you're going to love this show. Go back to the other ones and check them out. I mean, that guy, he brought receipts. It was it fucking blew my mind. It was uh, I'm very proud to have had that series, you know, and covering that topic. Uh, yeah, that was fun. And as Hell far yeah. as time, man, I mean, honestly, you know, the gears work the way the gears work, and it'll probably come out exactly when it needs to. Come <laughs> you know, out. that could be it too. Maybe you never know. So, that was the yeah. Matrix working in its own way, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> so, Robbie, um, um, I guess. Uh, I guess, you know, just let everybody know maybe kind of like where you're coming from with this topic. It is the Emerald Tablets. Um, I don't know if this is going to be one or two episodes. If it is, that's quite all right with me. I have no problem letting Robbie do his thing. So I'm just letting the listeners know this may be a part two. If not, you know, we'll get it all in today. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah, just let everybody know if you don't mind, because I know you kind of want to do your spiel Um, about where you're coming from. You know, um, 
over the the many years that I've been digging into these topics. Um, early on in my uh, you know youth, I came across the book, um, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Atlantean or Toth depending on, you know, who says it, but, um, and I was, you know, just blown away by some of the information in that book. And, you know, I've, you know, I, I've actually had two or three copies over the years. Um, but it's, uh, taken many years to kind of hammer out and determine, um, what the Emerald tablet is, um, versus the Emerald tablets of Thoth. So um, we're going to basically um, start in, in prehistory and kind of uh, cover a couple characters that are essential in regard to um, the topic of the Emerald Tablet tablets. And um, that way you'll kind of have a base understanding of how this evolved and where it came from. Um, and then we're going to basically walk through the history um, from the oldest to the newest. So... Yeah, sounds like a fun ride to me, my man. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I got my pen ready for notes. I'm ready for this lecture. Yes. <laughs> so now, when you look back, um, <laughs> some of the miscellaneous texts of Hermes that have been translated um, basically say that this um, that after the fall of Adam and Eve from the you know from um, Eden or the supernal realm into matter. Um, there's actually some discussion that God felt a little bad for Adam and Eve. So um, much like the Sefer Yesra, um, that was the that was handed down. That was basically like the roadmap, or it was that which was received, right? Um, but it was the roadmap that essentially would lead the human race back to the the garden or the supernal realm. A lot um, of Kabbalists refer back to that as like, um, oh yeah, you know, yeah. for even explaining the spheres going down the tree, they say that that's you know. Yep. That's yep. Well, and that's the whole idea of the, of the tree of life. Um, a lot of people think that that is the the actual map you know, as far as to get back to Kether or the, the Godhead, you know. Yes. Um, but uh, apparently this uh, this emerald tablet um, was also um, in the Hermetic texts, um, basically handed down much like um, the Sefer Yesra was. And um, essentially it was um, the key to long life because essentially because – you know, man and woman had uh, um, brought death into cyclic form. Um, this this uh, this emerald tablet was basically the key to creating the uh, philosopher's stone that would uh, that would enhance and extend and heal the individual. Um, so, and and some of the Rosicrucians and the Hermeticists um, basically believe that this is the reason that all the early patriarchy, um, as far as Methuselah living 777 years and, you know, like um, that this was the reason they were able to live so long was because they had this secret um, of creating this tincture, this white tincture um, that they would slowly settle out into the red stone, you know, that is the philosopher's stone. Um, and, and, that led to all the long lifespans that these early pre-Diluvian characters had, right? 
That's interesting. So, you mentioned the redstone. It was red? Well, so through the course of alchemy, um, essentially the process is to um, burn. Okay, so, the, so they separate the salts from the oils, right? Mm. And, and then they take the oil and reform that into a crystal. Right. And so it was, it, it generally wow. through the alchemist uh, activity, it will burn off and go to black. And that's the stone of Negrito or the prima materia essentially. Right. That's the form that you can make anything out of. Right. And then through the course of um, al- alchemy, essentially um, you, you transmutate that into a white stone. Right. And that has certain properties. That's the moonstone. And that has certain properties that will um, allow, you know, healing on certain levels. Um, But then through the subtle change, once again, um, you you transmutate that into um, a red stone, which is. You know, the Philosopher's Stone, the, you know, like in Harry Potter and um, that you see commonly in culture, you know. Um, and that's generally, um, in a lot of cases, a lot of people um, have tied that to cinnabar, um, which is uh, which is a stone you can squeeze and get mercury out of, right? Cinnabar, did you say, Robert? Cinnabar. And it was cinnabar. the Mathers, yeah. In early America, it was the Mathers family. Um, in as far as Cotton Mathers in the Salem Witch Trials, um, that actually had a monopoly on cinnabar. Um, ah. and, uh, yeah. So you know, um, it was always related to to magical function. Um, but but what we need to really talk about is mercury or um, Hermes or Thoth or you know Hermes Trismegistus the tri- Trisgrate um, that's known under these various names. Um, so now let's see if we uh, now and Hermes was or Thoth was also when you go back and you read the text, there's a huge link between. Um, Thoth and the character of Ham biblically, right? So let's talk about Ham a little bit. Um, it's going yeah. ham. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder where these lines come from and why people like why do they even get you know get brought up or in, brought into existence? Maybe it's like an occult mm-hmm. term that someone just like ah we'll get everybody else saying it well, and not understand what they're saying. Now, um, ham in, in ancient Hebrew is essentially the letters K H M, um, no vowels. So it was ham, right? And um, this is where we get our word um, chem or chemistry or alchemy from. Ah, is from ham. K H M, and and that was how ham originally. Um, was spelled right and so it was said that ham according to the table of nations second son of noah was said to have settled egypt most likely some parts still standing from pre-diluvian times like from ancient atlantis right um and ham as the letters k v m in hebrew give us chemite or the created race is is that essential function, and that is related to 
um, the black stone of obsidian. And basically these Chemites coming, the, and Ham actually took, um, coming out of Ethiopia and brought the gods into Egypt. And, and basically there was a, uh, um, almost a hiding because in Ethiopia, um, I guess they really got upset because, um, the Ethiopians were like a simple people, um, before, you know, Ham showed up and he yeah. basically brought in the ritual practice and, and the worship of the gods and the sacrifices and all. And so, um, at a certain point they got driven out of Ethiopia and almost had to hide and went into Egypt and kind of, there's a whole diametric chart of, that you can walk through that shows the interrelationship between the early Ethiopian gods and the Egyptian gods. Right. Um, but it was, uh, let's see. Um, it was ham or KVM, um, that also, is related to the black stone of alchemical workings. Um, so, so essentially when Ham came into Egypt, right? I think it was his son Mizraim um, that basically was the one that set the walls up around Egypt. And so when the flood would come, it would basically contain the water so that it could settle out. And the black, the fine, silty black material from the Nile that was like the progenitive life-giving um, element that, that basically amended the soil so they could grow crops. Um, it's like some black goo really, stuff. What's that? It's like sounds like some black goo stuff or like that shit from, that shit from, Promethe, shit from Prometheus when the guy drinks that black goo and then fucking falls into the water. Um, so basically, uh, through the building of these walls and collecting this black silt that made the soil fertile, um, this was considered to be the first work of alchemy in ancient Egypt. As far as using um, the manifest creation to bend it to your own will, to be able to facilitate growing stronger crops. You know, in the rise of this newly agricultural people, you know, coming from Noah, coming into the walled cities, and, and now they're beginning to basically bring agriculture into being so they can feed mass populations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So now, um, like I said, ham is in many ways directly related with Thoth, right? And um, let's see, Thoth the Egyptian was seen in the eyes of the ancient alchemists as relating to the sac sacred geometrical expression of the tetragrammaton, right? So now um, with the tetragrammaton, we know that the upward-facing triangle is fire, right? And the downward-facing triangle is water, right? And when you merge the fire and the water, um, that creates the steam. Yeah, the air. That's the, and that's even how, like, even going by the tree of life, one side mm -hmm. technically will be fire, the other side is water, and then the middle pillar is air. And right. and, and air rises, ah. which makes sense. So, I mean, why would it not be the middle pillar? Yeah. Right. So this this was the the beginning of the process of um, transmutation, essentially. Um, and when you get into um, like Cain and um, the the Rakshasas and um, the Canaanites um, and basically the working in um, volcanic tubes, uh, much like the Mandalorian, I, I think is a big uh, big tie-in with these um, what were they called? 
in the uh, Greek Isles. But it was it was basically the idea of of creating and working this metal, you know, and forging it to the will of the the maker, you know. Um, but, but again, it comes to this whole idea of transmutation. Like in the course of our life, even yoga is is you know a, a form of alchemy because you're basically taking the lead in body and you're stretching it and working it and bring and making gold out of it. It's the you know the the temple of man. Well, there's seven seven different kinds of alchemy, you know, um, and just the body is one. There's you know physical alchemy. There's plant alchemy. That you know there's there's you know, again, seven based on the, you know, the number of the natural world. Right. Um, but now Thoth, let's see, um, originally being a Luna or moon God, right. He was measuring the time of the night winds and great gave great attention to astrology cycles and astral bodies. And he became the God of the measure and the turning of the heavens. Um, and, and, you know, uh, let's see the head of sacred wisdom. Um, let's see. And, and as a high magician, he was also counselor to Lord Ra himself. And with, Ma'at, yeah, with Ma'at, he took, um, the three, um, nightly voyages of the lunar boat across the night sky. So, you know, Thoth was right in there with um, the astral heavenly bodies. Um, they basically, you know, and he's, you know, he's accredited with giving us writing. Um, as as um, Hermes, he's accredited with all the books of science and math. Um, and Hermes is... Um, in more modern times, in the 11 to 1600s, um, he's considered more as the um, the uh, oh, I forgot where I was going with that, but right. yeah, um, but yeah, so he he is basically accredited with the writing, with the the manifestation of of alchemy and bringing. Um, this whole hermetic philosophy that is related to these emerald tablets. Or What's that be like, the academic side of it, uh, Robert, you think? Well, now the emerald tablet itself, um, and we'll get, we'll get later on, we'll get into um, Newton's, Isaac Newton's translation of it. Um, but it, it's more a um, mystical alchemical text. And from the academic perspective, it's looked at more as um, kind of just, you know, hooey. It's just, yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't really say, and that's the other thing. When you get into all these texts, um, much like the tree of life, much like, you know, there's the exoteric and then there's the esoteric. So you have the outward function of what it says, right? But the esoteric aspect of it is essentially the hidden or the occulted aspect of it, the hidden aspect of it. And in order to um, translate, perceive, understand this hidden aspect, you have to know, you have to be initiated and understand what these words mean, right? Yeah. 
Um, and even in one spot, I, I saw that, um, and this was from a, uh, it was like a 16th century Hermes translation where they said that um, in every case where you read Mercury, it was actually gold. And in every case where you read um, uh, silver, it was actually, so Mercury, let's see, how was it? But nonetheless, they switched the metals around. Right. Well, but well, to be honest, like you had mentioned before, and I'm glad you brought it up because Mm -hmm. I think he does get discredited a lot for being associated with the moon. Toth does get associated Mm -hmm. with the moon and Mercury. Um, So like maybe sometimes the change of the metals or like certain things can be trying Mm -hmm. to show you maybe this is more of the moon aspect instead of the Mercury aspect. Mm -hmm. And and before I forget something, I just want to mention you're talking about alchemy. You know, when you're talking about uh, Toth and stuff being associated with that. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I actually, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth now and I'm going to have to do it. But I, I actually wanted to, if I had to do it by myself or with Lux, I do want to mm-hmm. cover something when it comes to the metals and the way they go on the tree of life. Mm-hmm. My opinion, you can actually see the change because yeah. that is like kind of the first time when you get to Mercury, where Toth is, where the god Mercury goes, Hode. On the tree of life, you know, Mercury is associated with that. That is a metal now that is kind of changed form and gone into liquid. Right. So that's already showing you a change already from other things. Right. Now, if you read Paracelsus, um, who his alchemical treaties, you know, they go on. I've got one of his big books back there. But he talks about the idea that all the metals come from gold. And, and that you're able to pull all the individual metals out of gold and then simultaneously be able to systematically put them all back into gold. Um, so it's, it's in very much like Rudolf Steiner, you know, gets into the whole cosmic alchemy as far as the moon itself being born of the earth, you know, and silver coming out of sulfur. So you're getting into these, you know, um, and, and it's the, that's again, Back to the, you know, like uh, the, the, the high priest, um, as above, so below, you know. So if you, can, if you can find these turnings of these systems on a micro level, um, they're said to work in the exact same manner on the macro level. So once you understand the function of systems, then, you know, you can, you can work within those systems but to basically transmutate you know what those systems are and get the end result that you want out of them interesting gold's like the white light of metals i guess well it's the you know being um it's like the aztecs and the mayans called it the tears of the sun you know and it's like in in christian theology like you have the sangreal or the 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 holy grail and Mm -hmm. that is the blood of the sun you know, that is in the cup, the sangrial. Like when you go to a party and there's sangria, that's the blood of the sun, oh, right? Yeah, which is, ah, biblically shit. is the blood of Christ that's in the cup for the, you know. So, so when you get into these words and you start following the etymology of, you know, how they kind of interplay from the past to the present, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting interplay. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, ICP always goes on about Shangri-La. Mm. <laughs> Shangri-La yeah. And that's where we're going yeah, after is, this shit's over. Yeah, there is some mention in the, uh, the hermetic texts of Shangri-La in a couple places. So, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, Shangri-La is definitely <laughs> Um, 
Go ahead. Oh, it was you, something you mentioned earlier, Robert, you know, yeah. about uh, alchemy with um, like sort of fertilization, so to speak. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure one of the, um, you know, Aztecs or the Mayans, they did something with the soil in a certain area. I'm not quite sure which one it is. <laughs> You'll actually be the same thing. I, I think so. You know, where they're actually amending the soil, they're turning it into this black soil. They, in in the South American cultures, um, they were actually taking like burnt um, carbon and amending the soil and creating the super soil. Um, and it's very much that's a form of alchemy where you're taking something that's that's considered lead and you're turning it into something that's gold or useful. So anytime you're transmutating something, you're basically performing alchemy um, on a physical, on a mental, on a, you know, just depending on, on what you're using your mind to, to manipulate and forge and bring into a higher state of being, you know? You know what's interesting? I'm thinking about that now. I don't, I, good thing Lee brought it up because I didn't even think about it. Um, you know, going by Egyptian mythology, you will find a few stories of dudes busting nuts on vegetables of the ground. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, isn't that how, isn't that like a story of like Horus and Set? Where it's like, yeah, I busted a nut on the fucking lettuce you ate and I beat you now. And, some shit. and that was the whole thing. Lettuce, man. Yeah, yeah. It's- it is an interesting story for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, but um, it's just <laughs> well, even just like just the few things you've said already, Robbie. Like, yeah. I'm thinking of like the black stuff in the soil. If it like, let's say, it could be even like volcanic, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, like that's why it's so fertile. So, like, the fire meets the water, it cools down, it makes this black substance. Like right. the whole thing is an alchemical process. Well, and, right? and we can see this working. Like, you know, we're bringing up all these different instances where we can see this happening right now with the emerald tablet itself um one of the things it talks about is um the stone um rising into the air and then coagulating and then falling so it does talk about the ascension and and the falling process and the different states of um you know metaphysical transmutation well then what what metal rises and falls mercury Mercury, exactly. <laughs> mercury is, and that's why Mercury is, is, uh, becomes a god, because Mercury is the transmutative agent that is the function of change itself, mm. right? That's interesting. And, um, there are some relation to um, Thoth and, and um, 72 um, and in regard to one degree of the turning of the ages and, and essentially being the representative aspect of change itself. So, you know, um, yeah, Mercury is definitely when, when you follow him, you know, out of Egypt from Thoth into the mystery school, you know, um, the Chaldean mystery schools and just bringing that into the Greek and Roman philosophies and the slow transmutation through the movement of the miscellaneous cultures. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting to, as a, as a line of, of research to follow that, you know, um, 
Yeah. But now what, in regard to how we were talking about the ascension and the falling of the stone, as far as the, and, and it's the idea of, you know, creating that prima materia, that black um, stone of negrito, um, and then refining that into the moonstone or the white stone, and then subtly transmuting that in. So they're basically, um, taking the oils from the salts and then taking that oil and recongealing it into a solid or a crystalline form again, um, which is much like what they do with um, cannabis extracts in regard to making diamonds as far as a crystalline stone being crea created out of an oil, you know? Very interesting. Yeah, as far as the, the and in this stone, this healing stone is said to be, you know, healing for the masses, you know, um, so, and, and the, the amount of stuff we're finding out now about cannabinoids, you know, and their healing properties as far as healing bones stronger, you know, uh, muscles back, you know, there's hundreds of studies now. So, and, and I'm not saying that, that diamonds and THC is the philosopher's stone necessarily, but when you look at all these manifest systems, right, it's only as above, so below. It's it's seeing the system and applying it to all the systems because all the systems function in a, you know in this alchemical matter. You know, you you mentioned earlier about it like a crystal or something or a diamond, like kind of representing a Kether or the Godhead. Um, not to bring up this movie again, I'm sure some of my listeners are tired of hearing me bring up Twin Peaks and the movie Mother, but in the movie Mother again, Mother with an exclamation oh. point. Um, the guy ups, the guy, the man of the house, uh, he has a crystal that is all the way at the top fucking room that is like mm -hmm. precious to him. And that's where he gets all his like, you know, inspiration and everything comes yep. from that. And it is a crystal yep. and is that's sitting in it like little thing. Yeah. And but at the same time, it probably has some sort of a negative hold on him. It, oh, it, well, that, that I think is his wife, unfortunately. <laughs> quality film, not mate. Quality film. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, you got to go check that out. Yeah. Oh, well worth it. Yeah, it's well wild. It. It's wild. You got to pay attention to Robbie to it, and you'll probably be like, holy fuck. Like, you definitely check it out when you have time to, like, actually, like, pay attention. Yeah. Do, do you know, like, um... mate? I, I think I watched it twice it's before. Totally, got, total got, Gnostic got fucking it. movie. Completely yeah. Gnostic. Yeah. Oh, nice. my God. It's, uh, yeah. It's yeah, she definitely plays the Scarlet Whore, for real. Like, you, like if you'll watch, like, how she... Basically, just doesn't isn't happy with the way things are going and keeps trying to change it. And she's like, "Oh, well, I'm not happy with this, so we'll change it again." Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. She goes downstairs and opens up a door, and a frog jumps through, and then all hell breaks loose. I'm like, "Oh come on, this is like fucking how obvious can you get now?" <laughs> yeah, frog as well. I found it wild too, Robbie. You're saying like the philosopher's stone was like a red stone, but then we end up with these green emerald tablets, like red to green. Well, the green is um, the, the method at which it was transmitted to us. So it came, it came to, um, there's some stories that it actually came from the heavens already carved um, on a green, um, basically stone, right? So, and, and emerald is also kind of uh, arguable. As far as because it's a green stone um, doesn't mean I mean, there's multiple green stones and and a lot of people actually relate this to the stone of Moldavite 
if you know about Moldavite. Mm-hmm. Moldavite. I've heard of it, yes. Yes, yes. 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 So I, have, I probably have that in my fucking bedroom. I'm like a box. Really? Of sh- well, um, I mean, I didn't throw out all my stones because that shit cost money. I mean, there was some uh, stuff yeah. I kept. So that's a piece of, of Moldavite right there. Yeah, oh, I have that it's myself. It's like a darkish green. Right. Like, it's kind of a mold. It's got a mold. It's well. So now let's talk about how this moldavite stone moldavite. actually came about and how this. Uh, Robin, came- yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but just uh, out of curiosity, are they, is it an expensive stone? They are rather expensive. Yeah, yes. moldavite's right, okay. more expensive okay. than other ones for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and during, I guess I was just talking. Oh, real moldavite. <laughs> Yeah, real moldavite. If you you got to make sure you're getting real moldavite. Yeah. Um, if, it's, a lot of people if, if you're in Salem and it's like three bucks in like one of their fucking cheap bins, I'm telling you, it's fake. No, no, yeah. it's, you kind of got to know your source with your moldavite. So, you know. Definitely. Um, you know, when it comes to crystals, you actually like if you get into it, you actually do need to find a reliable source. Oh, yeah. There's so yeah. much fake shit out there. It's a horror. Makes lots of fake you shit. You know, I, I once have thought that, mate. Uh, and it's, uh, it's good to know. I used to yeah, go to a place that like was literally only open at certain hours. And sometimes you'd have to call the guy and he'd go to the store and, go, yeah, and meet you yeah. there. He was like a taxi driver and had like this really? little. I'll meet you there. That yeah. very <laughs> he was there. like, no, he was an Uber driver <laughs> and he also was like really just a dude who's into mad crystals. He has like an Instagram and everything, you know. Yeah, but it was yeah. just like I I trusted him and I was like, if I have yeah. to deal with like fucking hitting him up on Instagram in between his drives. And he's like, all right, I'll meet you at the shop at so-and-so time. I'd rather do that <laughs> than buy some fucking piece like of plastic. Dude, <laughs> there's, there's go hard or go home, where, right? <laughs> yeah. Out here in the country, there's a lot of places like that where you kind of have to call ahead, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but now, this, this stone... He's like, I was buying stone. drugs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, this stone moldavite, right? Um... So when we look at Moldavite, um, let's see, where's it at? Um, okay, so here we go. Um, 14.8 million years ago, a meteor crashed to the ground in what is today's Czech Republic, right? And it is estimated that at some 6 trillion megatons was the weight of this this meteor when it hit the earth, right? And I actually have a piece of meteor here too, right? This is a meteor slice, um, which is mostly iron um, oxide. And um, this used to be the source for most of the ancient mystical swords as far as, because it was a red, like they would basically follow where the meteorites would hit the earth. And then this was already refined iron. So they didn't have to go into the earth and smelt it. It was readily available, you know, at, because it's just a big chunk of iron from outer space. Yo, Crazy. Yeah, there was oh, a place man. that I went to that when I, I was funny where I got the Moldavite, they also had, I think, the same thing, whatever that was, something else. It's like, Meteors. yeah, and I was like, yeah, it, like oh, they yeah. even had like the whole explanation and everything. And I was like, yeah. yo, I got to buy one just to fucking have a yeah. piece. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, was it, what was it called again? Uh, what was it called again, babe? A meteorite. Yeah, it was like, yeah, they were uh, saying it was like part of a meteorite that hit the earth yeah, or something yeah. so and so time. So ago. now this wow. meteorite, right, it comes and it hits the earth at what did we say uh six trillion megatons is what the the science estimates right and um this basically vaporized everything that was there right and um so what happened was all of the um mineral deposits within the earth um 
in this in this vaporization they they go up into the air and the meteor itself right is vaporized as well as it hits the earth right and in and he so here we're talking about um again you know the the idea of fire and water and steam right so it comes together it all vaporizes into this vaporous mist with all these miscellaneous elements and particles within it right and then as atmosphere acts upon it, it recongeals into a new stone, right? So basically what you have is the quartzite and different elements. You know, quartz is one of the most common elements on the planet. Um, basically, in a vaporous state, can, combining with the meteorite that's in a vaporous state, right, and reforming and becoming the moldavite. So... Yeah, so this is a combination of earthly crystalline matter that has been put into vapor form and recombined oh, with the astral element of the meteorite, right? And recongealed into, um, and then it, as it rained down, it solidified and, and just, you know, hit the ground in pieces. Um, and some big pieces, some smaller pieces. Um, and I've even seen um, some Moldavite, like from the Czech Republic, where they've gone in and like done intricate carvings of like the Virgin Mary or Jesus on the cross or, you know, and, and the stone itself um, is said to have mystical properties, um, being the fact that it's partly astral and partly earthly combined in form um a lot of the people that work with uh, chakra energy and you know in the whole um kind of yoga and and um what's it called with the reiki like reiki healing um so like meditation or that kind of uh aspect yeah, within the new age philosophy right but the moldavite itself is said because it's part astral and part earthly um it's said to activate all the chakras in the body yeah, I've, I've heard that too. You so, know what's really wild with that stone is that, like, uh, you know, when it comes to, I think, like, magic or ascension or whatever, when it comes to, you know, kind of like with the Kabbalah and other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got General Lee jumping around over here. He just switched screens. I don't know how he did that. Uh, <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of almost... Sorry, mate. It's all right. No, you're fine, dude. Uh, it, it's almost telling that story of that stone is like really almost telling the whole story of like the cyclic. I mean, in my opinion, unless you ascend forever, which I'm not promoting, you know, mm. you go out and just don't come back. Mm. Uh, I think that's really like kind of the story of what happens while you're here. You will ascend, you'll have that knowledge, but then you end up falling back down, back right. to where you are again. You know, it's a you constant cycle. And you come back to the, yeah. to the, yeah, yeah. They talk mm -hmm. about that too in the in the show Rings of Power, the one that was just on Prime. There's like oh, these two, yeah, the two energies that interact to make Mithril. I was going to bring Mithril up earlier. Oh, we're gonna well, and think of the word itself, Mithril, right. taking something that's <laughs> mythical and making it real. So that is alchemical within itself. Yeah, you know exactly. It's crazy. yeah, yeah. So now, yeah. if we go back in now art history, right? Um, if we go back um, as far as 25,000 years ago, um, we have uh, – have you ever heard of the Venus of Willendorf? Nope. No? So this is an early um, 
like a voluptuous goddess type figure. Um, and you've probably seen it, but she's got the giant breasts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's, it's like a green kind of colored. Um, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Of, yeah. uh, like a pre-biblical, um, um, you know, goddess figure, right? Yeah. Um, but that, that uh, Venus of Willendorf is actually carved out of Moldavite. Right, Ooh. right. Wow. right. So, uh, Robbie, is this a pleasant god, or is it one of uh, oh. it's not got carries a bad name? Yeah, we don't really know. I mean, because it's like so it. far back, all we really have is the sculpture itself. But I think right, that, right. that the giant breasts and the giant hips um, like preclude like birthing and nurturing and the idea of, of the mothering quality. Um, so I think it's a, it's a more positive. But at the, at the same time, we can see that already 25,000 years ago that this stone is it, it pertains to mystical qualities if they're using it to carve their goddess forms. Yeah. Was it used, Robbie, for fertility Female stuff? Female Sasquatch. That's a fertility <laughs> goddess, yeah. Yeah, like, was the stone used for fertility stuff? Oh, I don't know. I don't no, know. Okay. It's hard to you say. You know, the, even yeah. the shape um, of that thing that you were talking about before, and, like, the reason why I knew exactly what you meant, and it wasn't because, like, oh, she's got tits and ass on <laughs> It's because, like, I, I honestly think, and I it could either be the Matrix representing itself in the world, but I do mm-hmm. think that our glass figure... There's something behind that, like in a sense as well, you know. Oh yeah, that's showing time, that's showing birth, like you said. But I think it's like, I don't know if those things were cards for that reason to show something yeah. else. But I do think that whole, well, just that whole relating, shape. Yeah, relating the hourglass figure to the divine feminine, um, and the well, time wouldn't exist unless you got birthed into this world, right. which is all feminine and energy. All based around time, yeah, you know, and the aspects awesome. of time. From the moment really you're born, you begin to die, right? Yeah, you have an expi- expiration date right. as soon as you pop out. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> brilliant connection that way with the hourglass. Yeah. You just, no, you just don't think of it, do you, that box? No. Well, that's why it's good to have these conversations. Yeah, that's why I love you know? it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, again, you know, I have here that the, uh, the uh, sacred emerald tablet was said to have been fallen from the heavens already inscribed with the secrets of prima materia um, and the secrets of transmutation um, for the philosopher's stone. Um, Let's see. It's, uh, where are we at here? So I want to, I have part of Isaac Newton's translation here um, and we'll get to the full translation later on in the show. But Isaac Newton says, it extracts the light from the heights and descends to the earth, containing the power of the above and the below. For it switched the light for the lights. Therefore, the darkness flees from it. So that's that's uh, part of Isaac Newton's um, translation of the Emerald Tablet. I mean, it sounds like enlightenment and, I mean, just explaining... Experiences mm. I've had of enlightenment, just visually. Right. I mean, and it so- also talks about the, you know, how uh, it. Uh, what does it say? Um, it extracts the light from the heights and then descends to the earth. That's the exact story we just told of the Moldavite. Yeah, yeah. As well, so and again, we have to see how 
within the ideas of alchemy and the ideas of transmutation that these systems are alive and working in every aspect around us from the hermetic alchemical standpoint. You know, you had mentioned something before, and I didn't say anything because you were just you were doing your thing. But mm-hmm. now, to kind of get back to this, uh, it, I guess it will fit here a little bit. Even before, when you mentioned about extracting the salt from the oil, I was just, like, thinking already, like, separation from Earth. Right. You know, is that just... I mean, who's to say... I've also wondered, and it's just my opinion, even with people that are considered alchemists, mm-hmm. did they just tell a very... Uh, occultic story using elements to do it you know did they really actually turn something into something or was that their way of saying i understand occultism i've done the transmutation in my own mind right did they even actually have that whole setup you know yeah and again and again they tell you that alchemy is not what you think it is yes exactly that's what the thing is yeah and you have to be initiated and know the secrets of the words in order to have an understand, and that's the whole thing, you know, when you get into the idea of, you know, every symbol has seven meanings and each meaning has seven meanings, then you start working on these multiple recombinant levels of multiple types of understanding all within, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, fractaline kind of philosophy, Yes, you know, it's a very good way to explain it, Robbie. Yeah. So now, um, oh, and by the way, by the way, real quick, anybody watching, I totally forgot to mention this earlier. When I started, I am wearing Robbie's shirt right now. Totally forgot to plug that. that Yes, this is this is his shirt. You have to go check out his art. He has sent me some amazing stuff. I really need to post more of it. But definitely go check out his stuff. I totally forgot to mention that at the beginning. No worries, man. But those are out of print now. Oh, (laughs) I might have a couple laying around if you know I can look, but. Yeah, they're they they had their cycle, so you know. Nice. Well, you um, can feel more special now. Thank you. So <laughs> now, one of the legends of this emerald tablet, right? It it tells us that when Lucifer fell during the wars in the heaven, that the archangel Michael swung his sword and knocked the crown or the kether stone of Lucifer's crown loose, right? And this stone, this stone of excellence, fell to earth. And um, this stone is stone of excellence. This is cool as fuck, right? right? <laughs> it gets crazy, man. It gets crazy when you start. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you know, my in the wars in the heavens, um, Michael knocked loose the the Kether stone from Lucifer's crown, and this was the Emerald Tablet. What fell to earth? I mean, it was the size of his head. Like, you has got a huge second like, engine, engine head. No. <laughs> Fucking massive. It's... And Michael has a flaming source. I have fire. Oh, right. So, you know. Um, but, but it's just, well, you know who, you know, I don't know if this is correct or not now. And I, I hate to interrupt you because now Teresa mentioned a flaming sword. Yep. I'm watching the show. Good omens. It's on prime. Now it shows, um, oh. Israfel. The angel is Raphael is, I mean, if you go and look up, I forgot the name of the Libra or whatever, Crowley's invocation is Raphael. You're invoking Toth. You're invoking yeah. Tahuti. He, yep. he was given a fucking, suppose the end of the world's coming and he goes back up to heaven kind of like to check in and they're like, well, where's the flaming sword we gave you? And he's like, uh, uh, you know, like he ended up giving away to the humans. Yeah. You know, but like, I don't know how truthful that story is, but if that is true, technically, Israfel or, you know, that version of Toth did have a flaming sword. I don't know if that helps with anything, but 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the, you know, a lot of this gets into the idea, almost Promethean in quality, as far as like giving the sword to humans, the flaming sword, um, the idea of, of you know, this, uh, this etheric knowledge of Lucifer's crown, you know, it's the idea of um, the mysteries um, coming to the human and giving us the, uh, the essential keys to open the doorways into the eternal ether of time, space, and the cosmos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really weird. And just like real quick, if anybody uh, is watching that or whatever, if you haven't heard of it, Good Omens, I, I think it's pretty fucking funny, <laughs> actually. But yeah. I think if, um, you know, those people here that are into like occultism or whatever or understand this stuff, if you watch that show, to me, you have, the, first off, the demon, his name is Crowley. Mm. Crowley's already playing Toth already he's in everything he's he's already playing toth in his in his uh in his character he's always playing queen in his car which to me one of his secret names too which (laughs) to me i think is him symbolizing the hermaphrodite that goes on hold where mercury is where toth is you know and Mm -hmm. now you have israfel which is his buddy in the angel no you're actually watching in my opinion two different sides of the same fucking character Having a story, because you have Crowley, he's playing Toth, and then you have Israfel, but Israfel is Toth just in a different name. Israfel, so it's like, how the fuck? Like, so it's, in my opinion, you're watching like the the, 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 the the polar opposites of the same fucking thing. Yeah. And they're just yeah, two different like, characters. It's, it's almost like the balance of it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they're yeah. both trying to find the Antichrist and raise it so it doesn't destroy the earth. Because they actually uh, both think, <laughs> this is crazy. You got a demon who's like, but but do you have to kill the kids? What about the whales and the dolphins? You're yeah, like, what the fuck? Good omens. You're like, yo, what the fuck? Why does the demon have more of like logic when it comes to the end of the world than the fucking angels do? Because the angels are like, oh, well, we need war and we need to win. And Crowley's like the one, like, like, why do these people got to get fucked? Like, why are we fucking the humans? Because we need to go to war. Well, it's it's fucking hilarious because it's just, like, right? so weird. Like, Crowley's more of the emotional one, actually. <laughs> Which is so funny. Right? Uh, the good actors as well that play out the uh, Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, good actors. Nice. Um, so now, let's see. This... Uh, this stone of excellence or the lapidus excellus, right? Um, being delivered into the minds of human, like Prometheus, symbolizing Venus and the morning star, symbolizing quicksilver, the secret knowledge not allowed to the human minds um, as the symbol of omniscience um, is represented sometimes by the all seeing eye um, is the stone that the builder refused Um is the secret cornerstone of the temple of Solomon and is the occulted cornerstone of the temple or the castle of Edinburgh. Right. So again, with Edinburgh, we have the pieces of the meteorite that came down, um, that were basically broke. That was said to be a goddess form that came into, to reality that was broken up and these pieces were distributed. Um, and some of those meteorite pieces ended up in the foundation stone at the castle of Edinburgh, which is where we see the 33 degree Scottish Freemasonry coming out of. Right. Um, and then, um, some of those stones also ended up in the Kaaba stone in Mecca. 
So um, we, we can see, again, back to the idea of these meteorites, you know, having sacred qualities, you know. And especially with a connection to uh, Edinburgh Castle. Yeah, yeah. Which is where they will uh, crown, um, well, if they, chances are that's where they'll crown Prince Charles um, when he becomes king, um, and they'll haul out the um, Stone of Destiny for that, you know, Jacob's Pillow, basically. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Now maybe the, maybe uh, one before we got to see if there's any like uh like like wide mass like cult deaths before a meteorite mm -hmm. hits the earth. Maybe maybe all those souls go up together at the same hey, time man. and yeah. fall back down yeah. as a meteorite. <laughs> well, look at uh what was it? Yeah, see if heaven if there was something after heaven's gate if it's anything yeah, hit the earth. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. The media and they thought that. You know, they were that was like a gateway to heaven, that meteorite, man. So That's what I was thinking again, about all that, what you were saying. That yeah, shit. the meteorite, man. Um, now, this, this same legend, um, it was also said to be cut by a faithful angel into the shape of a bowl. Um, a being, bowl? Yep, being essentially behind the idea of the baptism of wisdom. And the birth of the Grail legends. Grail, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some talk that the uh, the original Holy Grail was actually um, either a um, a moldavite carved or a barrel being emerald carved um, bowl that was actually a green bowl. So there there is some tie in with the original emerald tablet and the Holy Grail itself. Mm. Yeah, I should not wait. Get all sorts of weird right. shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now there's a painter, um, Julius Avola, and um, he's an Italian painter and philosopher. Um, but he tells us um, in his researches that it was transported to Montségur in southern France in a fortress of the Pyrenees which Lucifer's armies besieged in order to return the stone to their leader's crown, but was saved by knights, which had hid it away within a mountain. So... The more Lord of the Rings of dwarves with their treasures in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, now, in the 1200s, uh, Frater Albertus Magnus, um, working in the text of Plato of Travola, which are Latin manuscripts, um, declares that the Greek-Egyptian pharaoh Alexander the Great had found the tablet, and in 311 BCE, uh, or BC, um, when headed north to Cappadocia um, and Mesopotamia, According to some, he took the treasure from the pillars of Hermes and stored them in an underground cavern in Cappadocia. So at one point, um, Alexander the Great, um, who was the pharaoh of Egypt when the Romans basically went in and, and took Egypt, um, was said to actually have this um, emerald tablet in his possession. Yeah. Rob, yeah. I could be wrong. Um I'm trying to look it up. I might be easier just to ask you. Um, did this, this guy, this name that you just mentioned, hasn't he, has he put out his own like kind of grimoires as well? I think so, yeah. What was his name again? 
Um, Julius Savola, J U L. Oh, wasn't there a Friday Albertus or something you mentioned prior to that? Oh, yeah, Albertus Magnus. Frater Albertus. A L B E R T U S M A G N U S. Yeah, and I, I know, I know for a fact, like during my career of like studying stuff and reading shit, I've come across something of his. I know for a fact. I just, sorry, I just wanted to, I thought it might have been a specific grimoire or something, or like maybe the mm. Olympian shit, but I could be wrong. Mm. Sorry. No, no, not at all. Um, so now when, um, when Alexander the Great was, uh, you know, said to basically be in possession of this, and he left it in the underground cavern in Cappadocia. Um, after that, he went on to conquer the territories of Babylonia and India at the time, right? And then um, he died on his return trip in 323 BC, and his final wish was to be buried in Egypt, but his tomb. Was, has never been found because his body was actually hijacked um, during transport back to Egypt. So the body of Alexander the Great kind of disappears. And, and the legend of the uh, Sacred Emerald Tablet again picks up in Cappadocia in 32 AD. So we're talking um, 355 years later, right? Um, and in Cappadocia, um, a young boy named Balinus was exploring caves outside of Tiana and rediscovered this lost text, right? And he took a vow of silence at the time and set to absorb this sacred material, looking for sages on ancient Hermeticism, and he became known as Apollonius of Tiana. Apollonius of Tyana. And Apollonius of Tyana, after he discovered this text, um, he was credited with having like um, vast mental abilities. Um, he had uh, sort of ESP and telepathy that he was working with. Um, he was said to be able to heal people. Um, you know, what is this after it, they found this out? It's like suddenly got this these powers, uh, right? Right. Oh, real quick, Robbie. Just I'm sorry to make you uh, look at it again no. or repeat it again. You mentioned something about a vow of silence and then transmutation or something like that. You just read. Yeah. So basically, once he found the the emerald tablet, um, he took a vow of silence, and basically all he did was study this this uh, emerald tablet and hermeticism, and through the course of that he began to um, have these inherent abilities to be able to, um, you know, have telepathy and have healing abilities. And, and you know, basically it, they said he taught people with his great wisdom, you know, after this, after this point. It said acquiring great magical skills and abilities to heal, inspiring everyone he met with his wisdom. Well, uh, the reason I asked is because... Uh... You know, silence is the virtue of Binah, which is the sphere, in my opinion, where the magic starts to happen. So, like, maybe even putting in, like, the vow of silence. Like, those are all little things, I think, that can be dropped to try to explain. Silence is golden. Yeah, I mean, and the the emerald, the emerald, yeah. Very good. That would be a step up, yes, from from emerald. Because, you know, even emerald would be on the bottom of the left pillar, and the silence would be the 
total top of the left pillar. Yeah. So I could see so how that's, that's enacting the highest the function of the that pillar itself. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I just find it funny too. Like, remember Prince created that band Apollonia Six? Yep. <laughs> well, Prince, I think Prince was playing Toth or Hode as well. Right? He was that yes. the, the alchemical agent of change. Uh, for sure. Totally. For sure. He totally he even represented himself as a hermaphrodite with his That's what I'm wow. getting at. Yeah. Exactly. Very much. Very even much. even yeah. taking his symbol, how you can see Mercury and Venus kind of mixed in there. Mixed yeah. in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Chicks for dicks. <laughs> well, and, and that's when you get into uh, the purple, right? The purple, yeah. the merging of the, the cool and the warm. Yes. And, and that, that's on the, the far extremes of the color spectrum. Yeah. So it's moving into the unseen. I mean, right? sometimes that's yeah. even used, purple is used as showing like ascending the power and the glory on the tree of life. Mm. The red and the blue sphere, you put that together, you get purple. Right. Purple is also associated with Chesed, but like a higher arc that is like, you know, specified to be closer mm. to God. Mm. So I think it's showing you like going up and um, the energies merging, but mm. ascending, not descending. Right. right. So, the and well, now um, we also have the, what is it? The Tyrrhenian purple, Ty Tyrrhenian purple. Yes. That was in the Phoenician, you know, Um but um, oh, was it you that had mentioned that even getting the color purple, I think, like to draw with or paint with was even like fucking expensive or some weird ass. Like they, people got it from snails or some weird shit. Yeah, They had to crush up these uh, these shellfish um, and basically from the shells. And that was the Phoenicians. So after um, the Hibiru or the Ibiru left Egypt um, as far as, you know, the exodus. They came down into Cana, and basically that's when Canon history ends and Phoenician history begins. And Phoenicia is, after the 40 years of the desert and the journey into the underworld, Phoenicia is the phoenix, and it's the first representation of the phoenix. Ah. Right? Mm -hmm. And these Phoenician people um, basically made their money with the Tyrian purple. Um, where they would crush up these um, these uh, shellfish, and then through a process, um, they would basically boil it and use certain, again back to alchemy, certain agents to bring the color out, and then they would, you know, and the only place you could get these purple robes, which um, in Rome, um, all these, you know, the aristocracy, the the Caesar and his family wore purple. Um, I was just going to say that, Robbie, uh, Queen Eliza, oh, yeah. uh, a former queen, she wore uh, quite a lot of purple. Yep, and it's actually kind of a scarlet purple. So it has right, an right. association with the infrared and the ultraviolet, as well oh, as yeah. the, the royal purple and the, the scarlet of the blood, as far as the bloodline. So you have multiple factors interrelated within this color of this, this Phoenician purple. You know, um, but yeah, so let's see. Uh, uh, now this it, and again, the, the tablet was said to be buried for safekeeping in a vault in Egypt after um, Apollonius of Tyana had found it. And um, this was on the Gaza Plateau where it was supposedly buried. And many reports around the year 400 
but no trace has ever been found since. And generally no one knows if such an object even existed, right? So that's kind of where some of the texts um, lead it, right? Um, yeah. But let's see, it says, and, and there was, there's been numerous expeditions um, that have been made in search of this, this emerald tablet. Um, and the records, now the records say that Alexander the Great actually brought the tablet to Heliopolis, um, where it was put on display. And that's interesting that you just said yeah, that. Yeah. He, he, you know, before I forget, um, yeah. you know, just stories that I've heard or maybe things that I've seen, the way I saw it, there is a time in the OTO when uh, you may be reenacting something and you're on your way to Heliopolis and you end up getting picked up by somebody else. Mm. Yes. Mm. Really? Yes. Some, some say that I might be in the Minerval degree. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, you're on your way to Heliopolis and somebody scoops yeah. you up. Yeah, I don't believe they're just doing that for sake. Of it. Yeah, I don't think it was just like, ah, oh, we'll just say they're going to Heliopolis. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, this in Heliopolis, it was put on display um, where a panel of high priests um, worked to translate it into Greek at this point, right? And the scribes made copies by hand and constructed a college in the city of Alexandria because of this emerald tablet, right? And they basically built the college to house the emerald tablet and to study the ancient hermetic texts um, that they could get a hold of, right? And... Um, Let's see. And it, and it was these um, Greek translations that sparked Hermeticism in Prussia and the Islamic world, um, tying Hermes and Thoth to pre-Diluvian thought. Hmm. Really just, uh, yeah, right. I love this stuff. I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Yeah, the, well, and that's the whole thing is, you know, the tablet itself is in, you know, we we talked about that one part with Isaac Newton's translation, but it's not very long. When we get to reading the whole thing, um, it's, you know, and, and it's just in another page. We'll read the whole thing here. So um, now um, the earliest written account of the emerald tablet itself, and that's not tablets, just a single tablet, right? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's credited to Kit Abasir al Ka Lakawa Santa Taiba Ita. And that translates as the secret book of creation and the cause of nature, which is basically one of the earliest um, Persian translations of the text Persian translation uh, yep. that's interesting and and this is purported um by many scholars to be letters from aristotle to his student alexander the great okay that's interesting because i just recently was diving into the possibility that like the black nobility families are actually persian families mm. There's definitely, uh, I mean, hey. all the movement coming out, it just the, yeah, as far as the, oh, way, I see. right. 
Well, and like, yeah, yeah. dating back to like Phoenicia and like that whole part of the world, obviously. So, um, in the, uh, the book of invasions that me and Lee just covered on subconscious realms, um, we, you know, I basically found in the book of invasions that after the fall of Babel, that, um, they actually set up a school, um, Nimrod, the younger set up a school and basically schooled all these different, um, uh, bloodlines, um, the 72, 70, 72 in the Mesopotamia or the 88 different languages in the Ugaric and basically taught all these families, these end of these new languages and then sent them into the regions of Europe, the re, you know, yeah. so basically oh. it was, uh, Phineas Farsed, um, who basically in Egypt, um, went to, the Tower of Babel after it fell and taught the early, basically what became the, the Furbog or the early, um, you know, um, the Fomorians and and the Fomorians. Well, the Fomorians, I think, I think the Fomorians were already there and the Furbog came in and, and, you know, then there was the battle. Um, but it shows them actually taking and constructing and teaching. And I think they actually, like had all the children um, and the grandchildren and actually separated them out and raised them in the language itself. Yeah. It's, so like, they, like, right. it's like with that, that book of invasions, Rob, it's like, yeah. it, it, I don't think you realize how, how, uh, how significant the book actually is. Right, right. But, but nonetheless, that goes to show that these bloodline families coming from the, you know, when the languages were separated, that they actually, you know, schooled them and then sent them into the regions to take over and supersede the cultures that were already there. So, yeah, Yeah, no, I think that's 100% the case, Teresa. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, So now, um, let's see. Now this, uh, these letters from Aristotle to Alexander the Great, um, being this, this potentially the Emerald tablet, right. Um, is also, um, the, it has relations to the, um, Secretum Secretorium. If you've ever heard of that book. I have, yeah. I've heard of that, that name. And that's where my head popped up. I was like, Oh yeah. And that's the, that's the secret. Book of right. So, and that the secret book of secrets um, is also what the uh, 2006 best-selling book, um, The Secret, was based upon. Oh, you know, wow. you know what? As- and you know the reason why I actually know what that is is I could be wrong. I don't know if it's the Ninth Gate, but there was a movie where they were showing a bunch of books, and I oh, saw yeah, that yeah, I yeah. saw that name, and I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? That sh- shit's actually real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I did see that actually in a movie. In yeah. a movie. That's how I found well, out. About and it. that was uh, going through, because uh, Lee and I are going through a lot of the uh, Irish and the Celtic stuff. And yeah. um, I came across the, the Irish Book of Shadows. And I was like, Ooh. I read about 40 or 50 pages out of it, just the part on the Fomorians, basically. But yeah, there's, man, these old books, man, there's just, you know. It's it's about Yeah, it's wild, man. When you start going and it's, you know, like HP Lovecraft, 
you know, basically being like growing up almost as a latchkey kid of sorts, um, had access to his father's library. He was deep into occultism and had a lot. So as H.P. Lovecraft as a kid, you know, he's like six, seven years old, just reading these ancient occulted mythic texts. <laughs> They're like haunting his dreams. And I think that's the reason why he potentially became the, the writer that he became, you know, um, because of these ancient texts, you know, it's, it's fun stuff though, man, for sure. You know, um, let's see. Uh, now this, sec this uh, secretum secretorium um, has been given the status as one of the magnum opuses of the ancient world and it's said to contain the sum of all knowledge again for those able to understand its hidden meaning you know and uh yeah so i also have here uh now frank baum who wrote the wizard of oz um who was a theosophist yeah. um but you know it's it's and he has within the the wizard of oz he has the emerald city you know so I think he's also hinting and they're, you know, they're basically on a journey to that sacred knowledge or that Emerald city on the gold road, <laughs> on the golden road. Exactly. Exactly. So it's very, and she was supposed to have silver slippers, um, but they, they silver she, slippers. yeah, she was supposed oh. to have silver slippers, but they changed it to Ruby because of the new invention of the Technicolor and they popped off the screen more than the silver slippers. Oh. So now you're getting into silver slippers and gold road and the green alchemical. So again, we're going back to these base functions of these alchemical elements, you know. So even Frank Baum with the Wizard of Oz is telling us a, a tale of alchemy. Yeah, you know, uh, even when it comes to making talisman, you know, I've mentioned this plenty of times. When it comes to making talismans, you know, with the the Tree of Life and stuff with the Kabbalah. Um, the flashing color for green, like if you if I was making a talisman for a net sock and the main color for that is green, if I was to add any other color into it to bring it pop and it because it shows it's associated also with that other sphere, there's a little bit of each in that one, like a yin and a yang kind of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, the flashing color would be red, right. And the same yeah. thing for Mars, if I was doing our, or Gaborah, if I was doing a thing for that, it would be red and the flashing color would be, would be green. green. Yes. Right. Now from an artist. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. When you look at the color wheel itself, right? Um, and basically, um, there's supposed to be seven colors, three primary colors. Um, but when you look, when you cross the color wheel, um, the way it's set up in a wheel, right? Um, red is directly opposed to green mm. so they're complementary colors mm -hmm. as far and you know it's it's just interesting how color theory how like all this stuff you know comes down to these these numbers of seven um that line up with this ancient philosophy um and and but at the same time i think i just think that's how it was has naturally been built through the course mm. of history mm -hmm. because Again, it's it's the macro micro systems. It's understanding how the these systems work, and only using them in accordance with how they're, you know, they work with on the earthly plane. You know, totally. I agree. Yes, very much. Yeah, so. it's getting cold, huh? Yeah, it's getting a little chilly up in here now. Yeah, we went down below. It was seventy last <laughs> week, and we had like below freezing last night. 
So yeah, it's oh, snowing shit. here right now. The first really looks oh, like it'll be the first like. significant one. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it's, it's not coming. stopping. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ned Stark. Oh yeah. man, we gotta wait like what almost two more years for that to come back too. Um. So let's see now. Um. This glossy green barrel stone um, relating to the concept of eternity as the color of regeneration in nature, this being why Osiris of Egyptian Hermeticism, Lord of the Underworld, and who embodies the resurrection when the blazing Sirius star would rise in Egypt, bringing forth the fresh green shoots of generation, being emerald green, is the reason why Osiris's color is emerald green. So, you know, when we look at this idea of the emerald tablet um, and, and back to the idea of how you were saying the green, it's the idea of, you know, that generative function of, you know, ascending and moving, you know, between planes. Um, Let's see. Well, a lot of shit when it grows out of the soil, like, you know, the grass that's everywhere, it comes out green. And especially in the spring. Trees sprout up green. Young green, emerald green shoots, you know, coming forth as far as the color of Osiris, you know, and then the rebirth as Horus, you know. Um, Now, it wasn't, uh, let's see, the sacred magic opus um, did not make its way into the Western realm of thought. Um, until John of Seville um, in Spain translated a Latin copy for a Pomeranian queen. So now we have the, the Hermeticism and this idea um, coming through John of Seville into Pomerania, which is, you know, right next to ancient Bohemia. You know, so um, it's just interesting to see the flow of this material and, you know, getting into the tarot of the Bohemians and and kind of, you know, relating back, that back into the Egyptians. So we see this current moving, you know, slowly, you know, into the, the modern personification, right? You mentioned um, the tarot of the Bohemians. Isn't that like almost like a completely different tarot deck in a sense? Isn't yeah, that- it's, I mean... It's now the the uh, Bohemian the Tarot of the Bohemians um, was written by Pappas um, and translated by author Edward Waite, um, but it's the it's said within the the Bohemian Tarot that it is the oldest book um, in existence. Yeah, I don't know if it's that so, one, but I know I came across some sort of tarot deck that, like, it's not even the same amount of cards of what we normally use. And it's it's completely different. I don't know if it's that cards. one or that. Yeah, and I mean, we know Aleister Crowley, you know, move move some of the elements of the tarot around, um, yeah. and and then you get into um, when when tarot became popular in France, um, it did kind of get you know chopped up in different ways. Um, the symbols got played with a little bit. Oh, sure. um, yeah. So and you know, um, if you trace the tarot back, I mean, it goes all the way back to the you know Hyperboreans you know, coming with the, the ancient gifts and bringing them to mankind as far as, you know, the, the what was the, the slag of Lug, 
which was the sword that you know fought battles and then the the cauldron which um became the cup which was basically always had food in it for everyone to eat and you know there's there's you know but and that goes that's as far back as but then there's also um elements within eastern theology as far as uh, asian um tarot they had like a a seven base system stacked on sevens that um some people also relate to to um, the, now the you mentioned Hyperborea before, or however you said that. Well, can you explain? The Hyperboreans? Yeah, yeah, just real quick. Like, what is that? Because I, I have yeah, something with the, the word A, with the letter H, and I think this seems right, to fit that again. Right. Um, the Hyperboreans were essentially like um, uh, the, the remaining characters from the fall of Atlantis that basically came to um, give the tools to humankind to repropagate the earth yeah i had there was a thing where i was starting to notice a lot of gods with the letter h seem to have that yeah. aspect of themselves of being able to go in between both and i've often wondered is the letter h itself showing you like the attached to both to both worlds yeah 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 um, it's just that when i hear it now i'm going to bring it up more on my show yeah. so uh, well, i can start proving my point more <laughs> yeah kind of like the word history starts with an h as well, uh, connecting time space, yeah, yeah, Robert. You know, uh, the, the tarot was the John D. Enochian tarot, did they have a, a considerable amount more cards than a normal set? Set, yeah, or was that something else? Yeah, I'm not sure of the John D.'s tarot. I mean, I went right. through and, and read all the stuff about the Enochian magic and you know, the scrying and bringing forth okay. these different, you know, uh morbid fiery like all the different entities and the descriptions that he saw yeah. that's some fun reading man if anybody <laughs> in, in the Enochian stuff you know um but yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting um yeah yeah um so let's see uh okay so now we're gonna get into the Isaac Newton translation right and it says, um, let's see, found in the papers of Sir Isaac Newton in the late 1600s. And this is, this is Isaac Newton's direct translation from the Greek translations that were said to be done at that College of Hermeticism from the original golden tablet that Alexander the Great had, right? Right. And so it says, "'Tis true, without error, certain and most true." That which is below is like that which is above, and that which is above is like that which is below. To do the miracles of the one thing, and as all things have been and arose from one, by the meditation of one, so all things have their birth from this one thing by adaptation. The sun is its father, the moon its mother, the wind hath carried it in its belly. The earth is its nurse. The father of all perfection in this whole world is here. Its force of power is entire. If it be converted into earth, separate thou the earth from the fire, the subtle from the gross, sweetly with industry. It ascends from the earth to the heavens, and again it descends to the earth. It receives the force of things, superior and inferior. By this means you shall have the glory of the whole world, and thereby 
all obscurity shall fly from you. Its force is above all force, for it vanquishes every subtle thing and penetrates every solid thing. For this are and I do come admirable thereof, the means or process is here in this. That was a fucking lot. And that's 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 what the Emerald Tablet um, is said to say. Crazy. Yeah. You think that was a fucking lot, right there? Yeah. <laughs> Must mean something. Must. I mean, I think but it's still showing transmu- it transmutation by like the words it uses. You know, the wind, yeah. the air. You know. And mm-hmm. well, and it ta- again, like we talked about the Moldavite and, and you know, it ascending and coming down, um, it very much ta- – and, and the fact that you have to separate out, you know, and, and the earth, when you get into Paracelsus and alchemy, um, the, er- the earthly element is sulfur. So somehow you're, you're pulling gold – you're separating the sulfur from the gold – and once you have, and, and, you know, the alchemists talk about there's three different types of gold. There's the astral gold, um, which is like more etheric and is actually the gold that's at the center of the sun. That's the most pure form of gold, like in all of creation. Um, and then there's like a, uh, a subtle form of gold. And then there's, uh, uh like, a more, uh, kind of bastardized kind of so you know and it's descending levels basically of these different types of gold you know but but what you know what is gold i mean and is it a metaphor um are they physically you know all the kings through the ages that have tried to get the alchemists to to turn lead into gold or you know even you have the story of uh rumpelstiltskin there you know where where you know the the maiden is using the the spinning wheel to spin flax or straw into gold, you know, for the king, you know, it's, uh, well, the yeah, hermetic, even the hermetic symbol of sulfur is used sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and you look at John D's, um, little symbol of mercury there and how it combines, you know, multiple aspects of different symbols into one, you know, um, and being that transmute, you know, transmutative, um, object of, change in itself you know and and the alchemists actually have um they call it instead of like the rainbow of noah um after the flood where he promised not to flood the earth anymore right the alchemists have what they call the alchemical rainbow where essentially through the course of burning off these different materials it will rate the 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 process of transmutation itself will irradiate and glow different colors so when you see in the alchemical texts you know you'll see a lot of times a rainbow around a phoenix or some of these different you know things um i just got did somebody else just come in yeah i gotta get rid of um but uh it's yeah it's definitely interesting man um getting into all that stuff you know um, Robbie, the part where you just read the translation and it said, um, by this means you shall have the glory of the whole world. Right. All right. Okay. So like in the beginning of when you were talking about the philosopher's stone and it's saying that it's like a red stone, yeah. I was just like, oh, it's like the Rothschilds because it's in their name mean like red shield or red, red stone. Shield. Yeah. 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 So then I was like, I see, I like that. 
That's yeah. interesting, though. Maybe, maybe they even like possess it or something, or they've used it. Like, who knows? Yeah. Or mastered it somehow. Like, mastered this yeah. process, by, and now they like basically yeah. own own the world. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, even before when you were reading that stuff, I mean, I I know it's fucking weird that popped up in my head, but like you mentioned something about like a nurse, right? Mm. And yeah, like I started th- thinking of like hospital like uh, colors and uniforms, and you always get that red and white. Yeah, you know. Well, and red and just white like is even also fucking Coca Cola, uh, red, white, and then the black pillar, that fucking black shit that you fucking drink. Oh uh, yeah, that will definitely and, and cause chaos and change on your body if you keep drinking. On your body. <laughs> well, and also yeah. when you have the alchemical transmutation, you uh, the first function is the white stone, the second function is the red stone. Yeah, the and red stone then, is chaos and change. Yeah, all this goes back to the two um, upper and lower Egypt being the red and the white, mm. you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild stuff, man. When you start tying all these different miscellaneous links and how everything overlaps and reverberates and echoes and yeah. it's, you know. Well, apparently the Rothschilds had a red house and a green house. Imagine. Well, I, don't know, I just yeah. looked it up. Yeah, it's so weird. Well, the White House, right? The White House. White in, House. Yeah. In in DC, in Egypt, the White House was the 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 mint for the state where they made the money. So, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so that's, yeah, that's interesting, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um. Let's see, where do we want to go now? Um, yeah, I guess we could start on the Emerald Tablets now okay. of Thoth the Atlantean. And uh, I don't know. Is it cool if we go over two hours? Uh, what about you guys? I mean, I could probably go about uh, until about, uh, yeah, probably like one o'clock. One o'clock, yeah. I can probably go to about another 20 minutes, mate. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, unless you want to wrap it up here and then do the other one as a part two. You want to do that? Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I will, yeah. If we get into that, maybe we could all be, be fresh and ready. I mean, that'll be a nice dividing oh, line between the Emerald tablet and the Emerald tablet. Sounds yes. good to me. Yes. Yes. I'll cool. make sure I specify nice in the names, tablet and tablets. Don't part one, it up. Yes. <laughs> I won't screw it oh, up. And I won't forget that I recorded this either. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, no, I might be able to finish it, though, in, in half an hour, man. Uh, well, you don't have to rush it either, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I would hate to, like, do a whole nother show. Okay. And, All right. You know. Um, Bucket yeah. to do it. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. So, um... These mysterious emerald tablets of Thoth the Atlantean, right? Um, and uh, they were said, said translated by a character named Duriel or Dorel, which is D O R E A L or Duriel, right? Um, and it's released with the authority of the Brotherhood of the White Temple. And. Oh, the White um, Temple. Yeah, so here I have my copies, one of my copies that I've had over the years. Um, and it's, you know, I would say let's just go through and look at a couple of uh, the excerpts. Um, 
So, and when we're, when we're looking at this book, as far as the Emerald tablets of thought, the Atlantean, um, the whole concept and story behind it all is this idea that Thoth or Tahuti um, basically um, was taught um, how to look into the mysteries or, you know, he's able to peer into the ethos of all time space. Well, doesn't, like, don't they say Toth was there to watch the world get created anyway, or he states that, you know, that he's sort yeah, of the they state of the that in, in different places for yeah. sure. For sure. Um, but, but it's the idea that um, he's basically been in these cycles of all of time space and that now he's bringing these sacred mysteries, you know, to, to mankind, you know, um, and it, it gets into the ideas of uh, transmigration of the soul as far as ascending through the multiple realms of heaven. Um, it gets into the idea of uh, life eternal and, and, you know, the fact that, you know, this is just a temporary way station in regard to our whole of existence. Um, so it, it uh, you know, um, it's it, and I will say, if you've never read this book, this is one of the most fun books to read, as far as just the information within it and and like the the concepts, as far as um, as you're going through it and your conscious mind and and the way you think about things and opening um, realms of thought within your mind. Um, and I've actually um, heard that if you read the whole thing in one sitting. Um, it could potentially put you into a state of samadhi. So, yeah. yeah. Samadhi. Yeah. And I, I actually have a friend that, uh, I mean, he's, he's using a bunch of DMT, but he, that was his attestation as far as reading the, the Emerald Tablets. Um, <laughs> so here, we'll read a couple sections, a couple little parts out of this. Um in the great city of Kior, on the island of Undal, in a time far past, I began this incarnation, not as the little men of the present age did the mighty ones of Atlantis live and die, but rather from aeon to aeon did they renew their life in the halls of Amente, where the river of life flows eternally onward. So... And, and it gets into this whole um, thing about the halls of Amente. And this is um, comparatively, um, as far as the circumpunct with the circle with the dot in the center, um, it talks about um, this almost like a throne room where the flower, this flower of life blossoms and that uh, uh fiery flaming light shooting up from the center, right? They build these 32 thrones around um, this beam of, of effulgent light that is... Mm. That is 32 made. thrones, did you say, Robbie, then, mate? 32 thrones around one. This is... We always have to take this into consideration when we're looking at stars and wheels, and, and it's because essentially you have the, the function of the shape itself but you also have the center point of the shape. So 32 around one is 33. Mm. I've so, often thought that about certain like odd numbers in magic. 
Uh, is it really just like the even number and then counting self? You know what I'm right. saying? Is adding the right. one. And, and that's a way to occult information. Yeah, as I well. do think so, yeah. You know, because then you think you're talking, you know, um, it's uh, somebody asked me about one of the paintings I did recently, and I should probably go back on and add it, but they asked me why was there seven pillars on the wheel, essentially, right? And I went into that's all been, the, yeah, I went into all the sacred sevens as far as the manifestation of the natural realm that that is the physical realm of matter that we live in with the seven continents, the seven colors, you know, all the 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 seven musical notes. The, it just goes on and and but that's the whole thing. It's the seven around the one, around the manifestation of the whole, which is the eight, which is the Agduad, which becomes, you know, eternity. So you know, it's, it's it, when, and that's the whole thing when you're digging into symbolism and, you know, you have to, you have to look at the fact that, that it's uh symbol upon top of symbol upon top of symbol upon top of symbol, you know, at least sevenfold, you know, you the, know if, yeah. even what you just said, really good alchemist, even what you just said right there, like going with the tree again, the tree of life, going mm -hmm. back to where we, I said that Prince would fit on hold. Directly mm. across it would be Chesed, and the symbol for that now is a king on his throne. Right. So, like, you're really? even seeing, like, the prince going to a king. King, yeah. Yeah, and again, transmutation, yeah. ascension. Transmutation, dude. Yeah. And you have to sure. go through the balance and beauty of Chesed to get. Right. To get, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like the fairy queen had to get the, the well, the, the fairy king had to get the fairy queen to fall in love. Otherwise, he couldn't ascend. You know, so it's that idea of, of, you know, subtle energies that, that manifest and move, you know, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see, uh, now this is where Thoth or Tahuti talks about the halls of Amente. He says, deep in the earth's heart lie the halls of Amente, far near the island of sunken Atlantis. Halls of the dead and halls of the living batheth in the fire of the infinite all. Far in a past time, lost in space-time, the children of light look down on the world, seeing the children of men in their bondage. Bound by the force that came from beyond, they knew that only by freedom from bondage could man ever rise from the earth to the sun. Down they descended and created bodies, making the semblance of men as their own. The masters of everything said after their forming, We are they who are formed from space dust, partaking of life from the infinite all, living in the world as children of men, like and yet unlike the children of men. That's pretty <laughs> deep. It's just... Fascination upon fascination. Right. You know, it's, and uh, not to sound crazy, and I, I, you know, I can't even think of like I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. This will sound a little weird, but I was on uh, Ellie's speed bumps yesterday, and I kind of like went on like the same thing with this. Um, you know, talking about all that alchemy, and I feel like it's telling you, like, even in there, it's showing you the ascension. And see, like, ascending, in my opinion, like before, and I'm going to get into the tree again, we have Netzach and Hode. I think when you go up, that is the spiritual ascension of both energies. Now, when you go down, you go into the moon and then project into earth. Mm -hmm. I do think even when it was talking about children, that is still, unfortunately, that's, it's going to sound crazy. That's kind of like alchemical 
magic, but in this realm. Right. So you're, that kind yeah. of thing is even in myself, I think, showing descending instead of the mixture of the, of the energies going up and coming together, but not producing a child, like, you know, on the spirit right. sense. So right. I even do think, it, you know, children among men, I think it's still showing you kind of like a devil, uh, you know, going down. Instead of yeah. the mixing yeah. of the energies well, going on, and that's what I was going to get into a lot. Not to sound of, crazy, but I do think that. Yeah. But also, um, you know, the passage I read before this, they talk about the halls of Amente being um, deep nestled inside the earth, close to the fallen city of Atlantis. And what do we know is deep nestled inside the center of the earth, but the black cube where the ancient archons are trapped. Right. And th there is. Yeah. So there is also mention in this of this information being passed upwardly to humans. So what so was that movie, Teresa, you told me about and I watched it and the, all that shit was in it. The Immortals. Yeah. And I, the Titans are locked in a black cube. Oh, man, that's oh, I've not, not seen that yet. Is it any yeah, it's awesome. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, he was just saying the whole fucking thing right there. Was the like, whole wow. thing, yeah. And then <laughs> Zeus, Zeus knocks the, pillar, the two pillars down, <laughs> and they get released, and it's like a shit show. Right. <laughs> so um, now, you know, we have this uh, within Greek mythology um, and within biblical mythology, they talk about Apollo sleeping in the bottomless pit. Within Greek mythology, they talk about, you know, um, basically the, the different uh, archons that plundered humankind, you know, being punished by Zeus and put into the center of the earth, right? So with all that in mind, um, here's another passage. There in the circle from aeon to aeon sit great masters, living a life not known among men. There in the halls of life they lie sleeping. Free flows their soul through their bodies of men. Time after time, while their bodies lie sleeping, incarnate they in the bodies of men, teaching and guiding upward and onward, out of the darkness into the light, where the hall of life filled with their wisdom, known not to the races of man, living forever neath the cold fire of life, sit the children of light. Times there are when they awaken, come from the depths to be among men, infinite they, they among finite men. So, you know, again, this passage talks about them coming from below. So, and, and we know that all of these... Um, I even think the difference between man and men is used in, a, in occultism to specify oh, a difference yeah. between the two. Yeah. That's yeah. in the tablets, like, like Crowley right? even says, I'm a man this among in, men. In the now, the, this is in the M, the book or the translation by Duriel or Dorel, uh -huh. the Emerald Tablets of Thoth the Atlantean, right? Okay, so in the Bible, yeah. uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 9, yep, verse yep. 11, 9-11, oh, oh, yeah. it says... They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His yep. name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and, the, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. Right, and that's Apollo. He was a Hyperborean, right, that after the flood came into the Greek um, civilization, and when he came, he brought the medicinal gardens, which were essentially uh, a, pharma, a pharmakia, right? Yep. And um, he also brought the apple tree. Um, which yes. is weren't where, they golden apples? 
that's there's another story that's, <laughs> another, yeah, that's yeah. a different, different story um, but he brought essentially the apple or the apollo tree right and um that's where the druids get the all heal as far as growing you know in the during the winter solstice uh, when the tree appears dead which they represented as the mind of man or the mind of human right um and then the all heal or the um, mistletoe would sprout and it's a parasitic plant um they thought it was uh, a plant from the heavenly realm that had been left behind when the gods fled to the moon right um and it was left on earth this is what the druids thought and essentially that was the all heal or again back to pharmacia you know so all this stuff has to do with pharmacology and what colors know? is that you mentioned what uh the the all heel as far as the druids and the mistletoe has uh, white berries so you know okay. kind of gets into the silver stone or the coin or the the white stone you know yeah. um as as far as the healing property and the healing elements um simpatico you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's interesting that through the course of, and I read this whole book last night, um, just, you know, to get it all in my head before we came on. Um, and it's not a very long book. Um, it's probably like 35 or 40 pages when you get down to the whole thing, you know? Um, let's see. Oh, so I got, Okay. So um, here's another section. Before me arose a great throne of darkness, veiled on its seat a figure of night. Darker than darkness sat the great figure, dark with darkness not of the night. Before it then paused the master, speaking the word that bring about life, saying, O master of darkness, guide of the way of life into life. Before thee I bring a son of the morning. Touch him not ever with the power of night. Call not his flame to the darkness of night. Know him and see him. One of our brothers lifted from darkness into the light. Release thou his flames from his bondage. Let, free let it flame through the darkness of night. So I just think these, these passages are fascinating, you know, and when I first got this book, I must have been 16 or 17 years old. Oh, wow. And I I just, man, I just ate it up, you know. <laughs> and I was like, this is just, you know, because it's all astral and talking about these, you know, very much like Star Wars, you know. I um, can see that. The Zor Zorastrianism and the Brotherhood of Light and the Brotherhood of Dark and, you know. And, well, and even – um Dorel, right? It says that uh the he Dorel is associated with the Brotherhood of the White Temple, which we'll which we'll get into here in a little bit, right? Um but yeah, any thoughts while I look at this next little area? Actually, real quick, uh, I know Lee was just saying that he's gotta leave. Lee, are you able to plug yourself real quick before you leave? Oh yes, yes, of course, mate. Uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, I've got to go. Everybody. No, it's quite uh, all right. It's quite all right. I've got it as well. Because, um, oh, Robert, as always, mate. <laughs> you are you're incredible, mate. You really That's are funny, one of the most man. talented individuals I've uh, I've ever known. Um, yeah, thanks again, everybody. Uh, Subconscious Realms available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. 
Uh, Instagram at subcon underscore realms thirty three. Uh, Twitter is at subcon realms thirty three, and email subconscious realms at gmail dot com. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. And um, uh, yeah, uh, when nice the show's over, I'll send you a copy for yourself too, my man. Oh, nice one, mate. I love you all. All right. Yes, love you, Lee, yeah. and you be good, brother. Cheers, mate. Bye, Thanks, Lee. mate. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so just as far as the overall um, cosmology, I got a little part here. It says, um, forth then my soul sped throughout the cosmos, seeing ever new things and old, learning that man is truly space-born, a son of the sun, a child of the stars. So it's uh, definitely some interesting um perspective you know you know do you think uh like i think that highly influenced the kabbalion too um well this came after the kabbalion oh really well maybe not maybe. no i'm not sure no, yeah, i, I do think either, i think both of them kind of like have uh, uh de- definitely yeah they have they have similar elements in regard to each other i remember but this came yeah this came after the kabbalion oh so. that's interesting because i remember you know, looking into this book, I think I started reading it and then I came across the Kabbalion and just went with that instead and never really actually yeah. fully finished. I think the Kabbalion is a, a much more um, lucrative text to <laughs> manifestation and creation um, as far as directing the mind in a positive aspect. Um, this is more along the lines of a history and a prophecy. Mm. As far as the the thought, the Atlantean emerald tablets, right? Um, let's see. Um, so it says, sought they to gain ever more knowledge, but seeking to bring it up from below. He who descends below must have balance, else he is bound by lack of our light. Open then they, by their knowledge, pathways forbidden to men. Um. Yeah, and then I got a long – now, this is one of the stranger um, little parts out of it because um, there's mention of a spaceship, which I thought was was pretty interesting, right? And it's the only spaceship mentioned in, in the text. Um, but it also mentions the pyramids it, themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they gathered I, the sons of Atlantis, into the spaceship. I brought all my records – brought all the records sunken of sunken Atlantis, gathered I of my powers, instruments many of mighty magic. Up then we rose on wings of the morning, high we arose above the temple, leaving behind thee and dweller. Um, deep in the halls, neareth the temple down, neat the waves sank the great temple, closing the pathway of the lords of the cycles, Yet ever with him who has knowing, open shall be the path of Amente. Um, but it just, yeah, it goes on about the spaceship. Um, let's see. Deep neath the rocks, I buried my spaceship, waiting the time when man might be free. Over the spaceship, erected a marker in the form of a lion, yet like unto man. There neath the image rests yet my spaceship forth to be brought 
when need shall arise. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So that's basically where all these people get this idea that there's a spaceship buried underneath the Sphinx. If you've, oh, if you've heard yes. people talking about that, right? Well, that, yeah. com- that comes from this. I wonder if that's used. Uh, I mean, I've heard of you know spaceships buried in other places too before. I wonder if oh, it's yeah. just playing off of that. Well, and like uh, you know, back to Prometheus, man. You know, it's it's and that ship that rises out from you know it's all encrusted. Oh, how many movies are out there where there's hidden spaceships? You know that they go and and you know reactivate and you know use. It's uh. But it said it also says deep near the image lies my secret. Search and find in the pyramid I built. Each of the other is the keystone. Each the gateway that leads into life. Follow the key I leave behind me. Seek and the doorway of life shall be thine. Seek thou in the pyramid, deep in the passage that ends in a wall. Use the key of the seven and open thee. The pathway will fall. <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. He's saying that in the pyramid, I guess when you're going like towards the king's chamber where it dead ends, there's some sort of a key. And what, what was it? Uh, Zervon, who was a Zoroastrian um, kind of apostasy. Um, he held the sevenfold key of eternity was one of his his mystical items that he had, right? Yo, this but, is wild. Yeah, but supposedly yeah. if you take this key of the seven and and then, you know, it opens some portal that will take you to this throne room in the halls of Amente, you know, where these 32 thrones around the effulgent light are. You know? I mean, this even makes me think about... This will, oh. When, like Chess said, like I said before, you have to, you know, it's like a magical image for it can be a king. Mm. And Chesed is also known as like a lower arc of Chokma. And along in that area, I do think is where Janus stands or him. And again, mm-hmm. he's got the keys. Yeah. And, he, you and know, like that whole, like even yeah. in a Pink Floyd, I can't remember that song run. If you get yeah. caught trying to pick her box <laughs> again, another sexual yeah. connotation for something that probably isn't sexual. Oh, it's right, just Janus right. turning yeah. his key and fucking opening yeah. his jail cell. Well, and now you know that Janus over time was absorbed into the Catholic Church and basically basically became the cardinal or the holder of the keys, right? I was going to say, isn't there something with Janus and keys in Rome? Right, right. Well, the cardinals are the hinge, and they hold the keys. You unlock that door, you get to go Rome. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah, see, Peter, there you go. Right? And which Peter? <laughs> oh, it says, yeah, Janus is the god of doors. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Well, he's also uh, related to uh, the crossroads as well, um, being the beginning and the ending and looking both ways. Both ways. You know, Look both ways where you cross the street. Or, or <laughs> into multiple dimensions. Yes. You know, you know that yeah. was a thing that I try to show a lot, and, and I wish I would have pushed it more with Halloween. I kind of pushed it more with Nightmare on Elm Street. But even especially in Nightmare on Elm Street, there was a lot of symbolism going back to Janus. And on line 17 in Crowley 777, it even states that, you know, Janus's thing is going in between both worlds as well. Right. So, right. What the fuck? Yeah. 
So yeah, and that's what exactly, and that's exactly what Freddy Krueger is doing. Yeah, yeah. Between realms, and eventually he's able to bring himself back into the physical world. Doesn't he wear a red and green shirt? Yes, he wears a red and green shirt. <laughs> yep. 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 So, um, okay. So here's another passage that says, "Man is in the process of changing to forms that are not of this world." Grow he's in time to the formless, a plane on the cycles above. Know ye, ye must become formless before you become before ye become one with the light. List ye, o, list ye, O man, to my voice, telling of pathways to light, showing the way of attainment. When ye shall be one with the light, search ye the mysteries of earth's heart, learn the law that exists. Hold the stars in their balance. By the force of the primordial mist, seek ye the flame of Earth's life. Bathe in the glare of its flame. Follow the three-cornered pathway mm. until thou, too, are the flame. So, you know, it's it's interesting just to uh, look at the symbology and and kind of tie all these elements in and try to understand mm. what, what this text is actually about. You know? Even the ending of that sounds like the supernal triad. Right. Right. Yeah, it's interesting at the top of the tree. Um, okay. So speak. I of ancient Atlantis speak of the days of the kingdom of shadows. Speak of the coming of the children of shadows out of the great deep where they called by the wisdom of earth, man called for the purpose of grain, gaining great power far in the past before Atlantis existed. Men were there who delved into darkness using dark magic, calling up beings from the great deep below us. Forth came they into this cycle. Formless were they of another vibration, existing unseen by the children of Earthmen. Only through blood could they have formed being. Only through man could they live in the world. That's pretty fucking deep. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that even makes me, like, it, a lot of things made me think of, like, there's earthly stuff that has us held here. Right. Wow. Um, so uh, here's a good one. Once in a time past, I approached the great barrier and saw on the shores where time exists not the formless forms of the hounds of the barrier. I hiding in the mist beyond time. I found them and they scenting me far off, raised themselves and gray gave the great bell cry. That can be heard from cycle to cycle and moving through space towards my soul. Fled I then fast before them, back from time's unthinkable end, but ever after me pursued they, moving in strange angles not known to man. I, on the gray shores of time-space, end I found the hounds of the barrier, raving for the soul who attempts the beyond. Fled I through cycles back to my body, fled, and faster after me they followed. I, after me, the 
devourers followed, seeking through angles to devour my soul. I know ye men that the soul who dares the barrier may be held in bondage by the hounds from beyond time until this cycle is all completed and left behind when the consciousness leaves. So it's just some interesting stuff, man. To me, that whole thing was about like jumping and crossing back and forth to the abyss. The abyss, exactly. You know, and, and you mentioned it, I think, twice. And I have mentioned this, I think, in the Abramelon, it's mentioned. Yeah. And again, this is with the H, hounds. Yeah. Again, something with an H associated with going back and forth. Well, and they are the barrier where time ends. So, you know, it has to do with time again, interestingly. Yeah. Yeah, this is something I hadn't even thought of before, but it is definitely interesting, for sure. Um, let's see. I mean, you said a whole lot in that, but I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry that that was the one thing that's, that stuck with me, but I mean, it was a no, lot. No. Um, okay, so here, uh, and I have like three more little sections, and then we're going to talk about the uh, this this book and how it came about and where it's from. Okay. Right? Um, Once in a, in a time long forgotten, I, Thoth, opened the doorway, penetrated into other spaces, and learned the secrets concealed. Deep in the essence of matter are the many mysteries concealed. Nine are the interlocking dimensions, and nine are the cycles of space. Nine are the different consciousnesses, and nine are the worlds within worlds. I, nine are the lords of the cycle that come from above and below. Space is filled with concealed ones, for space is divided by time. Seek ye the key to space-time, and ye shall unlock the gate. Know ye that throughout the, the time-space, consciousness surely exists. Through from our knowledge it is hidden, yet still forever exists. The key to worlds within thee are found only within, for man is the greatest mystery, and the key that is one within one. So again, like alchemy, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not necessarily talking about the outer worlds. This is talking about inner space. You know? I think, I mean, you mentioned nine. I mean, I don't know how many times. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that all fits the moon with the Kabbalah, too, or Yisod. Mm. I mean, that was fucking wild. Right. And a lot of that shit, in my opinion, all fits like... Everything from the above uh, on that tree is all consolidated into that number, that ninth sphere, right? And then projected and to here is where Earth is. Three nines, so it's three nines that make, or three threes that make the nine. So Ninety-three, the and it's very Pythagorean. Yeah, and that that I even think goes back to when David Icke goes on about his moon and no, the moon and Saturn matrix. Mm. The ninth sphere and the third sphere. Right? Oh, I think going I've on. got a whole number thing that I went through between Saturn, the Earth, and the Moon, and Venus, the Earth, and the Moon, and showing the representative, like, you know, uh, it's basically like uh, almost an algorithm that mm -hmm. exists within math naturally that they've equated these bodies to, uh, or the you got to wonder if they equated the bodies to them or the bodies just grew into become those things. I know what you're and saying. Exactly. Yeah. Like how did that even work out? Like first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Okay. So I got uh, this one. 
I got a medium one and a short one, and then we're done reading the passages. Um, List ye, O man, while I give the secret, so that ye too shall taste not of change. One hour of each day thou shalt lie with thine head pointed to the place of the positive pole. One hour each day shall thy head be pointed to the place of the negative pole. While thou head is placed to the northward, hold thy hold thou thy consciousness from the chest to the head. And when thy head is placed southward, hold thou thy thought from the chest to the feet. Hold thou in balance once in each seven, and thy balance will retain the whole of its strength. I, if thou be old, thy body will be freshened, and thy strength will become as youths. This is the secret known to the masters by which they hold off the fingers of death. Neglect not to follow the path I have shown, for when thou hast passed beyond years to a hundred to neglect it, it will mean the coming of death. So, again, we have this, uh, this technocratic promise of everlasting life uh, on the earthly plane. You know, um, much like Zanoni and Edward Bull Litton writing about the alchemist, you know, that showed up in all these different governments through time. And supposedly he was even at the signing of the declaration, this mysterious figure at the signing of the Declaration of Independence in the United States. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, you know, but that essentially, you know, that's one of the uh, keys of prolonging life. Possibly. Did it say, did you say stand to the right towards fire or something like that? You lay with your head towards the North Pole for an hour, and then you lay with your head towards the South Pole for an hour. And somehow maybe that energy moving back and forth in you is supposed to renew and reinvigor and bring, you know, longevity. Yeah, and all I was wondering what you were, yeah, I was thinking about that because, uh, well, it's not fire and water again to make steam, but that would be fire and earth, which would still create smoke. Well, yeah, and that would still be a rising thing again, too. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Because the North Pole, you say you have above and below, you know, Um, which is interesting because in Egypt, um, south is above, you know. Which, uh, which kind of is another way to occult all this stuff. Yeah. Spirit. You know? and Fire is spirit. You know, they can use that as spirit that rises. Right. And the Masons um, actually call the South um, the place of beauty. Mm. So it's, uh, it, and, but that's in relation to Egyptian, you know, so, which it would be the North actually, or would be up. South would be up because of where Egypt's at and the way the Nile flows. South is actually up. That's mm. interesting. So, yeah. Just reminded me of like Shavasana and yoga, like when you lie in corpse pose and if yeah. you lie there for like 20 minutes, you feel like completely refreshed, like right. as if you slept like eight hours, you know? Well, maybe you got to do it an hour. Maybe, maybe. maybe I have it's to even more sleep. refreshing. Exactly. An hour north and an hour south. Right. <laughs> um, so I got one last little thing here, um, and this is short. Um, know ye, this earth is but a portal guarded by the powers unknown to men. Yet the dark lords hide the entrance that leads to the heaven-born land. Know ye, the way to the sphere of Arula is guarded by barriers opened only by the light-born man. Every man and woman is a star. 
every every animal woman is a star and that's you know straight up you're a starborn being you know so tells you, yeah 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 um so now um upon digging right um i actually found that this is a modern book this is not an ancient text Damn. right um this comes from a small cult in colorado um, and that this translation um, came out later to be this character of Durell or Duriel um, channeling these texts in his imaginal world from, as he called it, the Emerald Realm. And he received the instructions from the Ascended Masters um, before astrally plunging into the Great Pyramid itself to retrieve these emerald tablets of thought the atlantean sorry uh what right (laughs) wild yeah yeah um you know all that channeling stuff that would still be like it makes me even still think about like what we were saying earlier before we recorded i mean we had alistair crowley he channeled you know the something the, the book of the law well, there was that he channeled multiple books man oh yeah oh well, you know? yeah i think doesn't he have a book i forgot what the name of it it's pretty much of like all the things like he channeled i mean he had it lamb he, i mean he had there was other yeah yep. and then he you get that with the mormons uh, they channeled some fucking <laughs> yeah 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 so but that's the whole thing you know when you start getting into channeled books you know it's uh let's see um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, like I said, I still recommend that everybody go read this book, um, because it, and it's not very big, you know, you honestly can, if you set your mind to it, you could read this in an afternoon. Oh yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember when I had it the first time, like I said, I didn't get through it, but, uh, when I had it the first time, honestly, I found you can find easily find a free PDF version online, and I downloaded it and had it on my phone with all my other books. And like, I was yeah. like, "Oh wow, this actually isn't that big of a book." No, like it's no, not. It's so not. like, you, you could yeah. easily find it for free if you want to, and oh, yeah. and read it. Yeah. So yeah. it's I'm sure it's on archive.org. Oh, there's you know? fucking plenty of places. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it and, and that's the thing when you start getting into these channel books as far as um you know the book of lies um have you heard of uh what's it called uh, the urantia book no yeah we just brought it up well i brought oh. it up in another in a group chat recently That's yeah okay funny. okay um yeah. now that book i read this i read the urantia book probably 15 or so years ago, um, but it's twice as thick as the New and the Old Testament put together. It's like a huge, thick, just brick. Um, but the, the, the Urantia book is a channeled book as well, and it basically comes from these New Yorkers um, somewhere around Albany, New York, right? And this is back in oh, the Victorian era um, when they were doing all the, the table wrapping and, you know, the seances to summon the miscellany and Houdini was going around proving all these frauds everywhere. Um, but this, this group of New Yorkers, they basically channeled this Urantia book. And the first, now the first half of the book is about how 
creation manifest and like the seven arms of the universe and basically how in this newest arm of the universe where we are, um, basically the Luciferic rebellion happens where the, the people on this planet specifically attain like free will and start to have thought of their own, you know, Mm. and aren't just vibrating within the natural synchronicity of, of nature and instinct. Right. Um, so it kind of gets into the fall of, of, you know, man and the eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And, but nonetheless, the second half of the book, um, is the, uh, it's the missing years of Jesus and all his travels through Asia and, and all the, you know, stuff that, that, that kind of is missing out of the Bible, you know? So it's a really, but it's a channel book, you know? Um, when, when When did that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Teresa. No, I was just going to say quick, if anyone's interested in it, there is a YouTube channel called Urantia Papers that has the whole thing. You right. can just listen to it. Nice, wow. nice. Yeah. I've um, checked some of it out. Not all of it, but yes. Yeah, that's a great read as well. I mean, yeah. Books of Lies is a great read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all this stuff, and that's the whole thing. When you get into the idea of channeling, is it that they're tapping into some sort of a cosmic ether um, and and bringing these these things in from, or is it the the um, the subconscious mind with genetic memory of all the cosmos that somehow we're able to open some portal in the mind that facilitates bringing forth these you know because it's interesting you know. Um, Generally, when people are channeling this stuff, it always has a tendency to be some sort of a sacred uh, phenomenon that is manifesting itself out of itself, you know? So Maybe there's like a ley line around there or something, some weird shit like that. Mm. Well, no, when I wanted to ask, when when did that book come out? Um, yeah. Because like there is a lot of shit. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of here. I find a lot of stuff with like New York, and once you start going or heading upstate, at least, I mean, yep. you even had in Palmyra. That's where Angel Moroni uh, buried his shit, and the Mormons yep. found it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. again with upstate New York, totally. and even uh, Albany is where like a lot of the Nexium cult was going yep. on. Yep, something. There like was that. one cult in Albany I remember, um, and it may have been the Mormons, where they sold everything they owned. And they and they had you know written down the prophecy of the end date that some scholar had figured out, and they went up on this bluff overlooking like the river there, and they just kind of all just waited for God, and He never came. Might have, yeah, I think that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, another I'm thing so, with channeled material too is like it could just be straight up lies, you know, like. Well, but that's why I get into the the fact that. A lot of this talks about this material coming from the underworld or from the depths or being handed upward or, you know, talking about these mm. dark masters that are expe- – and it's like that – the idea within um, mystic um, history and philosophy, it's like the omega point or the, the idea of liberty where essentially these, these entities that have been trapped um, inside the earth – um, they're waiting for that liberty or that omega point where the cycle ends so that they can basically uh, escape or rise again, right? So th- so there's this, you know, it, I think it, it directly speaks to um, 
the these entities that are trapped inside the earth that are that are talking about higher realms um, and how to ascend, but at the same time they're trapped. Well, how do you know that they're trustworthy? Also, again, yeah. <laughs> um, so this the, now this uh, the Emerald Tablets of Thought the Atlantean was actually first published in 1925, right? And the guy that that um, published it um he is not a doctor um he is actually he was a drugstore clerk and this was just something that he um through his magical workings and his association with thoth um went in and and you know astrally traveled into the center of the pyramid and and channeled these books uh, or this this text into you know its current form and, and based around that, there is, um, I think that this cult in Colorado is still actually active. So, Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's very much like Book of the Law type, too, where, you know, there's yeah. pyramids. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, what that went 45 minutes. See, that, it's probably good we just covered it. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was, a, yeah, that worked out fine. We it all up into a neat little bow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're right. It would have been like kind of like a, it would have been like 45 or an hour episode. You might as well yeah, just finish it. It would have been a, a hanging Chad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, that was, uh, again, like like usual, and that's why I always have you on, Robbie. You always fucking bring amazing stuff. Thank you so it's much. It's fun stuff, though, huh? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, look at all the, like, the just random things we, you know, all the, the just the talks and the chats about. Each other's point of view on this situation. I love it. Yeah. You know, because and well, and it, it also acts to um, accentuate and heighten our understanding of the subject by conversing. You yes. Know? Yeah. Like I always say, I think we all, you know, put it this way. I think this is a good example of saying it. I could have, we could have a rose in the middle of the floor and there could be eight of us standing around and we're all looking at the same fucking thing, but from right. a different angle. Right. So it's not the same actually. Right. In our vision. Well, it's like the, the old mythos of the, the blind men, you know, and they're all feeling dif different parts of the elephant. And they're like, what are you talking about? This part's <laughs> hard and lumpy. And no, this part's like hairy and, you know, it's like, but it's still the same elephant. Yes. You know? Yes. So and that's and the I love subject this. is really so vast. It's like you know. I mean, you saw all the different areas that this kind of goes into. You know. I mean, it's. Uh, but this that that original um, emerald tablet is probably the most anciently referenced, um, like alchemical hermetic, like you know, writing, um, and. The the Duriel, um, you know, uh, thought the Atlantean book. Um, it ha I think it plays to a great extent on alchemical ideas, um, but it's something completely different um, historically and metaphysically. You know. Yeah. Thank you very much, man, for everything that you yeah. just brought to this. I mean, that was that was an amazing, amazing episode. Yeah. I love yeah. this stuff. And I think this is something that, that I think uh, is relevant, especially, you know, when you, when you have all these – I mean, you see memes constantly made with Thought the Atlantean Emerald Tablets stuff, you know. 
So I mean, even a lot uh, of stuff that we were just talking about before. I mean, every time we talk about Toth, we could be actually talking about the color orange. And then we're talking mm -hmm. about emerald tablets. That's green. That's even just symbolized in things we're seeing going on in the world today. We're seeing that shit going on. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's funny how it's all like the these royal is... lines, you know, claim these colors and you know precipitate these these uh, symbolic mythical animals, and you know, I mean, uh... this stuff this stuff goes back into the roots of civilization, yeah. you know. Um, I believe it. Yeah, brother. yeah. Absolutely. Thank you Robbie, is there anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, if, if you, uh, I mean, I'm on Google, if you just Google R marks, M-A-R-X artist, um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, I have a Etsy page with some of my art, um, I'm on Twitter, um, but then also I just started releasing, um, some of my miscellaneous interviews with different people on my old, my own podcast, uh, RSS feed, um, which is Meta Mindcast, yes. M-E-T-T-A mind m-i-n-d cast c-a-s-t yeah. and the, the meta as far as m-e-t-t-a um my wife right away she was like that's not how you spell meta like face you know like facebook meta m-e-t-a right meta as far as m-e-t-t-a um actually goes back into ancient um eastern philosophy and constitutes the idea of uh all-encompassing love for everything Mm -hmm. oh, so shit. Okay. it's uh yeah so basically you know um I, what what i try to do when i'm out here doing this stuff is give people a footing so that they can understand what this information is so that as they go through and try to make decisions that they're not led astray and that, and i do this all out of love man oh, love, I know for creation, I know love for reality love for the the extensive like just wealth of information that's available, you know. It's it's just all love all the way around, man. So yeah, that's why I fuck the with you, brother, because <laughs> yeah. I know it, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the meta mindcast, man. So awesome. and then also um, in in mixed in with those miscellaneous interviews that I'm doing on other shows, um, I'm also going to start releasing the uh, the hours I have recorded of the information that of my research. That I've, that I've got that. with yeah. uh, music. It's like mastered, you know, by my friend uh, Christian Essex over here um, that lives down the road. He's got a studio in his barn, and he's been helping me out doing a lot of that stuff. Oh, as that's far gangster, as, bro. Good for you. Yeah, for so you. it's, I mean, and dude, we even went in, and for the music of it, this is when I was, remember how I talked about I was researching the planetary numbers and the tessellations coming out of them? Uh -huh. um, I actually took and sat down um, based on uh, prime, I use all prime numbers, and I built this grid of uh, prime numbers in accordance with the color spectrum and musical notes. And um, we, I went over there, and uh, we just basically plugged all that into the computer as far as, you know, and we set bells on every prime note. And then we basically turned and looped it on itself and created the background music for the show based <laughs> on this <laughs> little uh, algorithm I made based off prime numbers. So the music is, 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 is its own manifestation within itself as well. That is you know? gangster, bro. Yeah. Dude. You know, you so, know, it's wild. You it, mentioning that even reminds me, I just want to add this because what you're saying. 
I had someone that I was close to or friends with. We both left the OTO around the same time. He was very big into making beats and sound. You know, he, he made his own right. digital music. And he right. had a program that he told me you could literally draw sigils or yes. copy them and put them in there and will create sound off of the way that Damn. the sigil is drawn. And I was so, like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's, uh, the, what was it, the the guy that just ended, the drummer that ended up dead that they released the Netflix special. Oh, Foo Fighters? Oh, was it him? The Foo Fighters, yeah. On some of their songs, I've, I've actually seen people um, bring it into uh, programs where you can analyze the waveforms. And a lot of those songs, you can see the sigils in the in the actual waveform of the music. Holy. Yeah. So just a thought. Nice. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. I'll make sure I don't have the link now. I totally forgot. Uh, if you can, after the show, just send it to me through Instagram. I will add your podcast link in there in the bottom. Like I said, I forgot that, but I think there already is, uh, as of right now on the live, I already think I included all your links except for that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll add that for the show when it drops. Thank you again, Robbie. Um, Teresa, sure. would you like to uh, say plug your show? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. That was amazing, obviously. Uh, um, Yes. So you can check me out on the the Spiritual Gangsters with you. So that's on YouTube and like all the major podcast platforms. And I'm most active over on Instagram. If anyone wants to check it out, Um, just my name at Teresa.Kassar. Very nice. And I got the I got the link tree for that as well. That's in there. Um, Robbie, thanks again for the, uh, you know another amazing episode as usual. Sure, you know, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a great discussion and a talk. And uh, thank you all for who jumped in on the live for this. Uh, that's probably the most people I've had in a chat since I've uh, gotten this new account. So that might say something, Robbie. You know, thank you again. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for everybody chiming in. All of you, Arnold, uh, Eric, uh, Helen was here. Uh, my boy Mark, Tree Marie. Hey, Uh, Lisa, thank you all for jumping in and saying what's up. And until the next one, everybody be well. Later.